Section five of a book of Sibyls by Anne Thackeray Ritchie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mrs. Barbold, Part five. What a contrast to prim, starched, scholastic life at Palgrave must have been the smiling world and the land flowing with oil and wine in which they found themselves basking. The vintage was so abundant that year that the country people could not find vessels to contain it the roads covered with teams of casks empty or full according as they were going out or returning and drawn by oxen whose strong necks seemed to be bowed unwillingly under the yoke men women and children were abroad some cutting with a short sickle the bunches of grapes some breaking them with a wooden instrument some carrying them on their backs from the gatherers to those who pressed the juice and as in our harvest the gleaners followed from the vintage they travelled to the alps a sight so majestic so totally different from anything i had seen before that i am ready to sing nunc dimittis she writes they travel back by the south of france and reach paris in june where the case of the diamond necklace is being tried then they return to england waiting a day at bologna for a vessel but coming from thence in less than four hours how pretty is her description of england as it strikes them after their absence and not without pleasing emotion did we view again the green swelling hills covered with large sheep and the winding road bordered with the hawthorn hedge and the english vine twirled round the tall poles and the broad medway covered with vessels and at last the gentle yet majestic thames there were dissenters at hampstead in those days as there are still and it was a call from a little unitarian congregation on the hillside who invited mr barbold to become their minister which decided the worthy couple to retire to this pleasant suburb the place seemed promising enough they were within reach of mrs barbold's brother dr aiken now settled in london and to whom she was tenderly attached there were congenial people settled all about on the high hilltop were pleasant old houses to live in there was occupation for him and literary interest for her they are a sociable and friendly pair hospitable glad to welcome their friends and the acquaintance and critics and the former pupils who come toiling up the hill to visit them rogers comes to dinner at half after three they have another poet for a neighbor miss joanna bailey they are made welcome by all and in their turn make others welcome they do acts of social charity and kindness wherever they see the occasion they have a young spanish gentleman to board who conceals a taste for cigars they also go up to town from time to time on one occasion mr barbold repairs to london to choose a wedding present for miss belsham who is about to be married to mr kenrick a widower with daughters he chose two slim wedgwood pots of some late classic model which still stand after many dangers safely on either side of mrs kenrick's portrait in miss reed's drawing-room at hampstead wedgwood must have been a personal friend he has modelled a lovely head of mrs barbold simple and nymph-like hampstead was no further from london in those days than it is now and they seem to have kept up a constant communication with their friends and relations in the great city they go to the play occasionally i have not indeed seen mrs siddons often but i think i never saw her to more advantage she writes it is not however seen a play it is only seen one character for they have nobody to act with her 
another expedition is to westminster hall where warren hastings was then being tried for his life the trial has attracted the notice of most people who are within reach of it i have been and was very much struck with all the apparatus and pomp of justice with the splendor of the assembly which contained everything distinguished in the nation with the grand idea that the equity of the english was to pursue crimes committed at the other side of the globe and oppressions exercised toward the poor indians who had come to plead their cause but all these fine ideas vanish and fade away as one observes the progress of the cause and sees it fall into the summer amusements and take the place of a rehearsal of music or an evening at vox hall mrs barbauld was a liberal in feeling and conviction she was never afraid to speak her mind and when the french revolution first began she in common with many others hoped that it was but the dawning of happier times she was always keen about public events she wrote an address on the opposition to repeal of the test act in seventeen ninety one and she published her poem to wilberforce on the rejection of his great bill for abolishing slavery friends of the friendless hail ye generous band she cries in warm enthusiasm for the devoted cause horace walpole nicknamed her deborah called her the virago barbold and speaks of her with utter rudeness and intolerant spite but whether or not horace walpole approved it is certain that mrs barbold possessed to a full and generous degree a quality which is now less common than it was in her day not very many years ago i was struck on one occasion when a noble old lady now gone to her rest exclaimed in my hearing that people of this generation had all sorts of merits and charitable intentions but that there was one thing she missed which had certainly existed in her youth and which no longer seemed to be of the same account that public spirit which used to animate the young as well as the old it is possible that philanthropy and the love of the beautiful and the gratuitous diffusion of wallpapers may be the modern rendering of the good old-fashioned sentiment mrs barbauld lived in very stirring days when private people shared in the excitements and catastrophes of public affairs to her the fortunes of england its loyalty its success were a part of her daily bread by her early associations she belonged to a party representing opposition and for that very reason she was the more keenly struck by the differences of the conduct of affairs and the opinions of those she trusted her friend dr priestley had emigrated to america for his conviction's sake howard was giving his noble life for his work wakefield had gone to prison now the very questions are forgotten for which they struggled and suffered or the answers have come while the questions are forgotten in this their future which is our present and to which some unborn historian may point back with a moral finger dr aiken whose estimate of his sister was very different from horace walpole's occasionally reproached her for not writing more constantly he wrote a copy of verses on this theme thus speaks the muse and bends her brows severe did i letitia lend thy choicest lays and crown thy youthful head with freshest bays that all the expectance of thy full-grown year should lie inert and fruitless 
oh revere those sacred gifts whose meed is deathless praise whose potent charm the enraptured soul can raise far from the vapours of this earthly sphere seize seize the lyre resume the lofty strain she seems to have willingly left the lyre for dr aiken's use a few hymns some graceful odes and stanzas and jeu d'esprit a certain number of well-written and original essays and several political pamphlets represent the best of her work her more ambitious poems are those by which she is the least remembered it was at hampstead that mrs barbold wrote her contributions to her brother's volume of evenings at home among which the transmigrations of indoor may be quoted as a model of style and delightful matter one of the best of her jeux d'esprit is the groans of the tankard which was written in early days with much spirit and real humour it begins with a classic incantation and then goes on twas at the solemn silent noontime hour when hunger rages with despotic power when the lean student quits his hebrew roots for the gross nourishment of english fruits and throws unfinished airy systems by for solid pudding and substantial pie the tankard now replenished to the brink with the cool beverage blue-eyed maidens drink but accustomed to very different libations is endowed with voice and utters its bitter reproaches unblessed the day and luckless was the hour which doomed me to a presbyterian's power fated to serve a puritanic race whose slender meal is shorter than their grace end of section five